Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. And uh, we, I know the chai tea thing, or is it tai chi or chai tea? I don't, I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> I thought it was when you order at Starbucks. So, uh, the guy who's leading that is also leading our, our karate class as well. Uh, his name is Bill Walker. He's actually a newer guy here in our church. And he, he said, you know, the, the karate one's actually more like, uh, um, like, self-defense, teaching you that kind of stuff as well. So this is a way that it might be a newer way that you've never tried to stay fit before. I would encourage you to uh, try it out. And then afterwards, go get some chai tea after your chai chi. And uh, we are really excited about this series. We've been doing a lot of work getting ready for this. Uh, that reading guide would highly recommend you to do. Because here's what happens in June. We know this takes place. Every June, we know that uh, there is an exodus that people go to Myrtle Beach, and I don't know what it is, but there's like this direct line from Zanesville, Ohio, to Myrtle Beach for some people, uh, and they, they go there, and, and we know that takes place, and we love that. Matter of fact, that's what the series is, some of is about, is about taking some rest and recharge and letting God do what he can do. But while you're gone, we don't want you to lose your connectedness to the body, to the church. And so we encourage you to stay with the message, whether you're downloading the podcast or checking it out online. Use this reading guide, whether you print out a copy or take it online with you, and you can do it on the beach or wherever, and just stay with God. You don't want to take a vacation and become disconnected from the vine, Jesus. You want to be connected to him so that he can really be, bring you the recharging that you need. So I am very excited about this new series, and it's one we, we all need because, let's face it, these 40 simple days, how many of us would, would, would describe our lives as simple? You know, because we're so busy. We're busy. We're, we have this hurry, hurry, hurry sickness with us all the time. I mean, let's pull the church here this morning. Let's pull third service. If you're anything like second and first service, you're all in the same boat together. All right, you're driving your car, okay? And you are coming, and you see a green light and the stoplight above, and all of a sudden it goes from green to yellow. What does yellow mean, show of hands? Does it mean slow down? It means speed up, right? How many of you say speed up? Absolutely, right? You're in, these are my people, my people, amen. Um, what if, okay, moms and dads, you're on a long road trip, long road trip on the car, your kids are in the back seat, your young son who, who is strapped into his child seat declares that he needs to go to the restroom. Moms and dads, and be honest with me, how many of you have ever said, you know, I don't want to make the stop because I know it's not going to be a two-minute stop. It's going to be a 10-minute stop. And you scrounge in the front seat for a cup or a water bottle and pass it back. Huh? Who all, who's all guilty? I'll raise my hand. It's been done. You know? uh, what about this one? You're going to a red light. There are two lanes to choose from. Which one are you going to get into? And you begin to mentally dissect the make and model of each car there in the lanes and determining, you know, what's the age of the driver of that car and that car, and you determine, okay, I'm going to go on this lane. You've done that? Yeah. And if there's a semi-truck in one of the lanes, it's a no-brainer. You get in the other lane because it takes longer for them to accelerate. Okay. Go to the grocery store. And this is like, this is, this is the amateur hour kind of thing. You, you go and you see the different aisles and, you know, there's this lane and this lane and this lane. And you look at how, the, how long the line is and you know, how long, some of the line might be longer, but there's less stuff in their cart. So you go to that one. You, you, you choose your lane. 
you do that, right? But how many of us have done this? You would go take it to the next level. You choose your lane, but then you wait and see until someone goes in the lane that you were, you were almost going to choose, and you mark them mentally to see if you won or not. You ever done that? <laughs> we are sick people. We are sick because we hurry and hurry and hurry. And, and the reason why we do this, the reason why we hurry is because we have filled our lives. We have crowded our lives with so many things that we got to do in so many places that we have to be. And we leave very little room in our lives for the things that are really going to bring us life. Listen to these words of Jesus. This is like his mission statement, right? He says, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. But we will never experience the kind of life that only Jesus can bring us when we have crowded our lives so full, so much busyness. No matter what kind of new technology that comes out that promises to make our lives more efficient, no matter what kind of social media platform that comes out that says, this is going to make it so much easier to connect to everyone around you, we have never been more busy. Maybe your life looks a lot like this guy Job in the Old Testament who says, I have no peace, no quiet, no rest, and trouble keeps coming. And many of us, we wear our busyness like a badge of honor. We talk to people, I did this in the hallway earlier today. How you doing? I'm good, keeping busy. Me too, really, really busy. As if busyness translates to important. Right? That, that's not what it's about at all. Matter of fact, the over, if we're overwhelmed with busyness, it just proves that we are not good at managing our lives. And I know there's some times in our life that things just happen. Life happens and things get thrust on us and we go through seasons where things are busier than other times. But I find this true in my life that in those seasons, a lot of it's because I have said yes to something that I didn't have to say yes to. So in the end, it's really my deal but the only way we're going to fix the busyness, and we all feel it, I've seen you all nod your heads, we're all going agreement here, the only way we're going to fix the busyness in our lives and the crowded up way too much space in our life is if we make room and allow room and simplify our lives. So over the next 40 days, we're going to be on a journey together, or that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to simplify we're going to undertake a challenge where we're going to create room in our lives to allow God more room to operate and do what only he can do. We just ended this series called Greater Than, and we talked about how there are so many people who have settled for far less than what God wants for them. And they've settled, they're over here stuck in these ruts, when what God has over here is immeasurably more, but they're stuck and so we, we are going to be able to experience the greater than that God has for us until we clear out the clutter that God, that we have, that we have built up in us. Clutter is a funny thing because none of us like it, but all of us allow it to exist. Like the, 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 a few weeks ago, my wife, my, my boys and I, we had a project where we were going to clean out the garage. 
And the garage, it looked like the house had thrown up. I mean, it was ridiculous. And over the winter, all these boxes just kept accumulating and getting packed in. And I would walk through the garage, and I would just feel tense and frustrated by the situation. And finally, now, everything has a place. It's clean. Get this. We can pull a car into the garage. Did you know you could do that? I mean, it's great. Well, and the boys can open up the back door and not bang the, the door into bikes and dent the car doors. It makes me happy to see my garage in this situation. Clutter makes no one happy unless you're a hoarder and then you have real issues. It's why corporations and companies, churches, who, 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 who strive for simplicity are always more successful. I mean, one way we see this all the time is you go online. You, have, you want to search for something online. What do we call it nowadays? I got to go and Google it, right? They're, they, it's the Kleenex of internet searching, right? Kleenex, used to, it's not tissues, they're Kleenexes. Google, you go Google it. I mean, there used to be all these other search engines, and there still are. There's Bing and Yahoo and all these other ones I've never used in years. And there used to be Alta Vista. Remember Alta Vista? I mean, that one was like, so. and Yahoo bought them out. But Google, the one reason why they say they're so popular and why that so many people use it is because their landing page looks like this. Ah, you you just want to go, ha ha, there's room. I'm not going to get distracted here. It's simple. It's not cluttered. I'm not going to get distracted by videos over here and clickbait under here and sports scores over here. It's just, I know what to do here. I'm going to search what I need to find and I'm going to find it. I'm going to Google it. It's laser beam focused. It's, 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 It's doing what it was created to do, just like what God wants to do with you and me. There's a proverb that says this. It says the prudent, the, the wise, they see danger and take refuge. But the simple or the fool keeps on going and suffers for it. In other words, if you see, if you see what's happening and you do something about it and you have a chance to fix your life, you will fix your life. But if you keep on going, doing the same thing, you're going to end up suffering for it. Financially, you're going to go deeper into debt. The busier you are, the more it's going to adversely affect the relationships with the people that you love. You're going to become unhealthy. You're going to feel disconnected from God because you're not making time to hear from him. And this is what this 40-day journey is all about. It's not about adding a bunch of things to your already full to-do list. It's about renovating. It's about simplifying, making room in your life so that God can have more room to operate and do what only he can do. And if you journey with us during this next 40 days, here is what you'll find on the other side. One is you're going to have more peace in your life. Because when you make room for God, even when things, when life happens and thrusts things at your, in your way, because you are allowing God more room into hearing from him, you're going to be better equipped to handle those situations. You will have more peace. You're also going to have better health. I mean, doctors are telling us all the time that we need to eat better, that we need to work out more. We have two stressed out lives, that we need more rest. 
And the, you know, last weekend was the Indy 500, and I, I still live just a few miles away from the, from the racetrack, and I could walk outside on carb day or on, on the race day, and you could hear the cars going around. They're that loud. But these are the, the most finely tuned pieces of machinery, but even they need to stop every now and then for a pit stop so that they can return to peak performance. You're going to have strengthened relationships. I mean, there is a direct correlation between how busy we as a nation are and the deterioration of the family. We just don't spend time together. We don't eat around the dinner table together. We're not making time for one another. And and dad and moms are working more hours than ever before, allowing others to raise their children for us. I, I meet with moms and dads in my office, and I'll hear... You know, they're grinding hard at work because they want to offer their kids the very best. And they're working all these hours, and they're saying, I just don't feel like I'm connected with my kids. And here's what I would say to the moms and dads. I said, listen, your kids would would give up the toys and the clothes that you want to buy them and the house that's just out of your price range that you're working so hard to afford because you want to give the best to your family. And they would give up the Netflix and the iPhone and all these other things you're paying monthly for just to have more time with mom and dad. You're also going to have more availability for God. Because God will come to us and say, I I have a plan for you. I want you to, to serve in our NT Kids ministry. I want you to to serve on the VIP team. I want you to lead a small group. I want you to to partner with me in this new work that I'm doing over here. So I want you to be extra generous with this project over here. I want you to join me within this. I want you to go on a mission trip in 2017 with me to Columbia. And we go, God, you know, it sounds great, but I just don't have time. My calendar is too full. My, 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 My budget is stretched too thin. I'm just not available right now. But someday, someday... This is why we need to simplify. We need to make room for God so that he has more room to do what only he can do. So that he can bring us the the real life, that laser beam focused life that only Jesus can bring us. We need to renovate the temple. If you have your Bibles with you today, if you have your Bible apps, your devices, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 22. And while you're turning there, I'd like to kind of, kind of give you a little framework of where we're at in history. This is a very fragile time for the nation of Israel because they have just had a, a run of three kings who each of their terms, their reigns were 40 years. They had Saul, who was their very first king. And then after that was David, who was the, like the best king. He was the man after God's own heart, brought the nation of Israel to a real crowning point of their history. And then after that, it was Solomon, David's son, who took the throne. He was a wise king, and God used Solomon to build his temple. And this temple was a very special building. as a place where, where it was very ornate, very luxurious. They brought their very best for God. Because God said, I'm going to dwell in this place. I'm going to choose to allow my presence to be in this temple, to be near my people. And the people would come from all over to meet and to to be in the presence of God. That was the temple. But after Solomon, the the nation of Israel really became, became fractured. They they, they split into two. There was the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, and both of the kingdoms went on a run of really bad kings. 
These kings that chased after foreign gods and built these temples to other gods and encouraged the people to follow them and turn their back on the one true God, Yahweh. So, once in a while, there would be a good king who would kind of break the mold and come out. And that's what we're going to start off here in 2 Kings 22. We find in verse 1 and 2, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. Now, David wasn't exactly his father, but he was like a great-great-grandfather to uh, Josiah. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And when Josiah got older, he purged the nation, the kingdom, of all of the false gods and the temples and all those places that had the other kings had taken the nation towards and wanted to turn the nation back to God. And so one thing he did is he took his, one of his members of his cabinet and he sent him to the temple, Solomon's temple, and said, they, they met together and they decided, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna renovate the temple. It's become cluttered and, and disheveled and needs to be cleaned and repaired because of the years of these bad, bad kings. And so they go in and they begin to, to kind of clean it out. And the, and the high priest, he finds something of great importance during this project. He says in verse 8, he says, I have found the book of the law. This is how bad it's gotten. That they find somewhere in the garage or in the attic or wherever in the storage room, they find a copy of what the equivalent of your Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Torah, God's word to his people. They had lost it, the scroll. And he says, well, I found this thing. What am I going to do with it? And, 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 and so the, the cabinet member takes it back to King Josiah and reads it out loud in his presence. And here's King Josiah's reaction it says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, which is a sign of, of great mourning and repentance. And you would do this if maybe a loved one died or you, you, you made this huge sin and you were confronted by it. You just grieve and you would tear your clothes, put ashes over you. This is what the, one of the cultural things that they would do. So Josiah is faced with the hard truth. He realized how far the nation has drifted away from God's vision for them. And he mourns and he repents. But then he gets to work. Verse 13 says, he says to, the, to his cabinet member, he says, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says that we must do. So as we start this journey together, this 40-day journey, we're going to go through a very similar experience of renovation, of simplification, of getting out the clutter and making room for God so that he can do what only he can do. But it, our temple renovation is going to look a whole lot different than Josiah's. Because what we're not going to do it's going to have, a, have, a, have like a Saturday where we all come in and we all start cleaning the building. You go get the windows and I'm going to get the, the hard to reach places and get the cobwebs out and get the storage room all cleaned out. That's not what we're going to be doing. Our temple renovation looks a whole lot different than Josiah's because Jesus 
changed all of that. This is not the temple. This is not a place where God chooses to, to live when we leave this place. He doesn't, his presence is not restricted to this place. This is not God's house. Jesus, because of his, 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 what he did on the cross, because of, he, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he sent a helper. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, who no longer lives in a place with walls and roofs, but in, a pla- in places where there is flesh and blood. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What he's saying is when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he moves in. He resides in you and he empowers you and he guides you to live out that full life that Jesus came to bring. Tomorrow, let's say you go to your mailbox. I don't know when your mail comes, whenever it is, and you know when it is. You go get your mailbox, and you, you get the junk mail out. And in the midst of all the junk mail, you find this one letter. And it's addressed to you, but the return address says, JC777 Golden Streetway, Heaven. And you, this is interesting. You open it up and it says, Hey, it's Jesus. I'm coming to your house tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you. What would you do? What would you, what would you immediately do? I think every one of us would call our families together and we would go, All right, everybody in. Here's what we got to do. We got we to gotta get this place spick and span. We are going to clean this place like it's never been cleaned before. We're going to pull the refrigerator out and clean behind it. We only do that when we move, you know? But we're going to do it because Jesus is coming over. We're going to prepare a meal that we've never had, a banquet that's going to be so great. Why would we go to these extremes? Because we want to provide the very best environment, the best atmosphere for Jesus as he comes in. And that's what this 40 Simple Days is all about. It's about providing the very best environment for the Spirit to live in us so God can do what only he can do through us. This isn't a letter from Jesus, but it is an invitation from Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, when you come to me, I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and and my burden is light. And here's what I have found true in my life. Those seasons in my life when I feel the most cluttered and have the most things going on are the seasons when I find myself most disconnected from God. But those times when I feel like I have more peace and I am healthy and relationally healthy and available for God to use, are the seasons when I'm connected, when I'm allowing him to do what only he can do in my life. And I would say this to you, because you know, I know every series we do, there are people here who go, I'm not doing it. No way. You know, I'm just coming to church. I'm not going to do all this stuff. I'm not going to do the reading guide. I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to. If you don't do this, if you don't simplify, 
it will be forced upon you. And what I don't mean is that we have some like security team here is going to go over to your house and put you in a headlock and make you do it. That's not what we're talking about. But what I am talking about is we all have limits. Every, everybody woke up the same way probably as I did Saturday morning and I looked over at my phone and checked the time and I, I saw all these notifications. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, passed away last night, age of 74. And everybody will say, you know, Muhammad Ali was the greatest. And the first one who would tell you that was Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And he was at boxing. And he once boasted, he said, I'm so fast that I turned my, my, my light off in the hotel last night and got into bed before it got dark. He once said, I'm so mean, I can make medicine sick. He once said, I done wrestled an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I handcuffed lightning and I threw thunder in jail. This guy, he thought he was great. One time Ali was on an airplane. He was riding first class and the flight attendant came down the aisle and said, "Um, sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And he looked up at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she, she looked back at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. Because <laughs> we all have limits. And if you don't slow down, if you don't simplify, it will be forced on you. You know, we go to the hospitals and we see people all the time with heart attacks or other health issues because they've been pushing too hard for far too long. Or we'll sit in a counseling session with a couple, with a married couple, and one spouse will say to the other, you want room? You're going to have all the room you're going to get because I'm gone. You don't want this forced upon you. So, how? I mean, this 40 days is simple. This is going to require some tangible and practical action to take. And the first one is, you need to make room in your schedule. You need to make, and this is on you. Again, we can't do this for you, and you can't drop to your knees and go, God, I need 25 hours in a day. I mean, that's just not going to do it. You can't ask for that. But you need to start removing things from your schedule. And you know what those things might be. Maybe you need to do an inventory. As you renovate the temple, what are the things that can go? Maybe for you, it's a satellite dish. Maybe it's cutting the cable. Eight months ago, my wife and I, we made that decision to do it, and I, I'm not going to say you have to do it, but I'm going to say that. I wish we would have done it sooner. Wall Street Journal came out with a study last, last uh, year and said that we as Americans are working more hours and watching more TV than ever before to the tune of three hours a day for the average American. So if you're the average American and you go back and say, you know what, we're going to cut the cable. We're going to get rid of, t- we're going to get rid of this. You just found three hours in your daily schedule and about $100 a month in your budget. You're welcome. You know, this is, this is what you could do. You, can, you, can, you know what these things are. And let me give you another principle that we learned from Driver Z that I think applies to here as well. Is that the faster you are going, the harder you are going in life, the more room you need to allow. Remember this? That if you're traveling about 30 to 35 miles per hour, you need to leave about two to three seconds between you and the car in front of you. But if you're on the highway and you're traveling 70 miles per hour or 80 miles an hour, uh, then you need to allow for more room. And 
I need to remember this one. <laughs> because God just keeps doing cool stuff here. And God keeps bringing more people, and it's awesome. And we're talking to architects about expanding because so many young families are coming that our kids' spaces are getting so full that we need to add more room. Our preschool's at capacity. We need to add more room. There's other things we're talking about there too. In the fall, I remember back a few years ago, we said, hey, we're going to three services. Now we're talking about needing to go to four services. We just, God keeps adding more stuff and it's a good problem to have and we need to keep this in front of us, but we also need to say we're going hard. We also need room to rest. This is not, though, a time management seminar, okay? This is not what the series is about. This is actually a command from God. Just like in the Ten Commandments, Jesus, God talks about how we need to do not murder, do not steal, but he also says that you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And what God is talking about is that we, he is commanding us to rest. It's a command from God. And Jesus, again, kind of changed the game here. He took a flamethrower to the legalistic mindset of the Sabbath. That I grew up in a church where there were some people who would say, you know, you cannot cook a meal on Sunday. You cannot uh, travel, walk far distances on a Sunday. You can't do this and that because you, you have to rest at all times. You know, that, Jesus said, no, uh, Sabbath was made for the man. The man wasn't made for the Sabbath. He said, no, that, that's, you're getting the, you're, that's not what this is about. This is about rest, though. And my rest comes on Friday. You know, it's my, my day. When I, and that doesn't mean I st- stay in bed and I open my Bible and re- I read all day long in my bed. I mean, I do some of that, but I, it's, it's partly, it's rest is whatever breathes life into you. And for me, that's hanging with my boys or dating my wife, playing around a golf. Sometimes that brings life to me. Sometimes that brings more frustration. I shouldn't say that. Uh, Going for a long run, mowing the lawn. There's other things that breathe life into me. So you need to remove some things from your schedule to make sure that you are resting. You're having that pit stop so that God can continue to use you in those ways. Another Here's another one is you need to prune out activities regu- uh, periodically. And I, I mentioned a book I was reading a, a few weeks ago called Necessary Endings. And Dr. Henry Cloud, one of the things he talks about is this principle of pruning. And some of you are gardeners. You know what this is. You know what I'm talking about here. And that a, a good gardener will go out to their rose bushes, and they'll see some dead stuff, and they'll prune it off. But a good gardener knows that you just don't prune the dead stuff, is you also prune some good stuff. And the reason why you prune the good is so that the great will come forth. And if your life is like mine, then there's always new opportunities coming your way. Opportunities that you might say yes to. But if you keep saying yes and yes and yes to all these new opportunities without pruning some of the old things, you're never going to experience that simple Life And you're going to look a lot like Job, who said, there's no peace, there's no quiet, there's no rest. Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And, you know, sometimes I think some of us have a hard time saying no. Are you one of those people that, I just feel guilty. They're offering me this opportunity, and I just don't want to say no. Can I give you some really guilt-free advice from Jesus? 
watch his life, you will find opportunities. Sometimes in his life, when people come to him who have been sick, who need healing, and they came to Jesus for healing, and you know what? Jesus sometimes walked right past him so that he could get rest and he could be in the presence of his father. And we're going, well, no, he's Jesus. You can't. Every need has to be met. Every opportunity he has to take. No, no, no. Sometimes the word no is the most holy word you could possibly use to be like Jesus. So prune away, guilt-free, this week, make room for God. You know, there's an illustration for this that, that I had seen years ago, but it was Larry Tumblin who re- reminded me of this. We used to meet regularly when I first got here at North Terrace, and he, he, he talked about this. And Larry, if you know Larry, he's one of our elders. He's, he's like Yoda. Um, that's not a short joke, Larry. Um, it's... Uh, Makes me Luke Skywalker. That's pretty cool. Um, so, but he said, you know, this is, this, this professor in front of his class said, you know, this container is your life. And we all have lots to do. We do, right? And the trick is, and he put these big rocks in the container, which represented his the life, and he put them in, and he said to his class, now, is this a full life? And they were like, yeah, that's a... That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a full life. And he said, no, actually, it's not full. He said, because watch. He took a bunch of little rocks. He said, now, is it full? He said, yeah, it's pretty full. He goes, no, actually it's not. And he took some water. It's like a Gallagher show for you in the front row. You might get a little wet here. He said, now it's full. And he looked at his class and he said... What does this tell you? And one person said, you can always cram more in. (laughs) He goes, no, that is not the lesson. Do not go away with that today. He said, the trick is, the lesson is, we all have lots of, there's always lots of opportunities. There's lots of things to do. The, The important thing to remember is to put the big rocks in first. And that's your challenge today as you renovate your temple. What are the big rocks for you? Is it family? I hope so. But the number one rock, the very first rock that you need to make sure that goes in first is your relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to go in first. That way you make room for him. Because sometimes what we do with Jesus is we put everything we want to do, all this stuff in there, and then we try to put Jesus in and fit him in somewhere in an already full life, and it doesn't work like that. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And listen, the Holy Spirit will not move in. It will not reside in you without you surrendering your life to Jesus. That's the key.
He extends the invitation out to you, but you have to accept it. He wants to bring you rest for your souls, and his yoke is easy and light. He wants that for you, to live the life that only you can live, that full life that he wants to bring, but you have to make room. He needs to be the first. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you have not accepted Christ today, if you want to make him the Lord and Savior of your life, if you want to invite him into your life so the Holy Spirit will begin to live that life in you, we want you to, to take this invitation today, day one of 40 simple days, to say, I'm going to start this journey right. Come forward, meet with us, be baptized into him, repent of the sins in your life. And let's begin this together. We're going to sing this decision ta- song. And if you're ready to make the decision today, Come forward. We'd love to do that right here, right now.